Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collecting Cars podcast. I'm sitting today with, as usual, Edward Lovett, that's Ad Edward Lovett, and a gentleman called Sam Fain, who is better known as Seen Through Glass. Now, Sam, can you please deliver your Instagram handle, YouTube channel name, and your Twitter handle, because I can't remember them all. The the lucky thing is it's seen through glass everywhere. Is it? So yeah, oh, actually, I think Twitter might be a bit, I think it's like Avril Lavigne back in the day, I spell through, just T-H-R-U, but... Very street. Yeah, very street, so, because I'm young. But no one's nipped in there because of your newfound fame and, and nicked the names and made you underscore and capitalise... You flatter me by saying fame. I think it's it's not quite that. Well, I thought that was your surname. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he's changed his surname to fame. Yeah, to fame exactly. Uh, but no, luckily enough, I got in with all the uh, handles before I actually even started uploading content. So I, I had that in place. Well, look, thank you for coming in today. Um, I've had a few people send me notes saying get an influencer on. So um, I thought um, it'd be a great idea to get Sam here because I think what he's done with his career path is really interesting because he started out as an influencer and we're going to have some great discussions about what that even means because I'm still not sure I know. Uh, And then we'll talk about where he's ended up, which his career path appears to have led him to homelessness and then driving an arse engine sports car around the world. Um, But let's begin, first of all, uh, with a little lubricant to the conversation, um, talking about what we've done in the last week because it's always a good idea. Edward, what have you done in the last week other than buy and sell cars? Oh, I've, Tried to buy and sell a few few cars. I've been on Daddy Daycare, uh, and I've been running around trying to find cars to consign to our platform. Chris, how much plugging can I do? You can do a fair amount, given it's your podcast, <laughs> mate. Well, yeah, that is our uh, the main uh, job at the moment is finding consignments for uh, collecting cars. So, uh, what I need to do is buy a Daytona so I can buy those wheels. Fine, we can uh, we can sort that out. There's plenty of Daytonas. Have you for driven sale. a Daytona? 
I have driven a Daytona. Pretty. No, uh, we, I know someone that owns a Daytona. Matthew, we, I know you're probably listening to this. <laughs> and what I'm going to say now is going to upset you. I think the Daytona is the ultimate example of a vehicle that's great to look at, and I struggle with the steering because the steering is just so heavy. I mean, I've never, I've never well, driven one. Once you get going, they're fine in yeah. the car park. They're not great. Yeah. There's quite a few people that fit power steering to them because that comes from the old GTC, doesn't it? Yeah. But Joe uh, Macari now uh, s- sort of hot rods a Daytona. Yeah. bit more power. And um, Marino's driven it, and, yeah. and I think they love it. And I think uh, Dario's got a chopped Daytona coupe, yeah, hasn't And it? that's yeah. got some of the bits, has it? Correct. So l- lowered, widened, hot. And, and I, I, I remember a few years ago, I think I was with uh, my wife, actually, at the time, and we were driving through... Your the- wife... A different wife? Or yeah, the, the same one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well picked up. Uh, anyway, we, we were driving through London in a LaFerrari, as you do. That's a very casual and we were, story, we were, No, we were on our way to the this RM pod, This auction. podcast is for the people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We were on our way to the RM auction in Battersea, and uh, I followed uh, Joe Macari in one of his proper Daytona Spiders, a beautiful green car. And I couldn't keep up with him in the LaFerrari. <laughs> he knows how to drive. And I did almost uh, throw the, the LaFerrari into a roundabout in Battersea, I think. Why, do all, why do all of his car stories always involve yeah. a, I nearly... <laughs> <laughs> well, so, quite a few of them I quite a few of them end up in I did. But uh, yeah. the, the I nearly ones are okay because it, it means I survived. I'm noticing a theme, though. Every time that we talk about... Well, you, you guys talk about collecting cars. Chris, you're always mentioning wheels. I feel like that's lo- your obsession. Yeah, I do. I, I'm, I love, I th- I'm so done with modern alloy wheel design. I think they've got, they've become too big in terms of diameter and there's no longer a dish. For me, I love a dished wheel. I think mm-hmm. they look fantastic and I, th- I think they're, 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 they're the wheels of my youth. So you'd see cars that were widened and, and sportified and, and the telltale was they had a dished wheel, a normal design, but the wheel, the rim would, rim would come out by way of having, you know, the, the spokes staying where they were, and I don't like these wheels that are, that are the spokes are right on the outer edges. So you just turned up in this Jaguar. What are they called? Project Eight. Yeah, XE Project Eight. And um, you compliment you complimented those wheels. They, they they don't look too bad, but they still have the spoke that comes right out to the rim, and I. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the way they look. So you don't have to buy a Daytona competition. Well, just uh, buy the wheels or, 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 or uh, an M coupe. Yeah, the M coupe's nice, isn't it? They, and again, a dished yeah, wheel. Yeah. That's a great example of a car that had a massively dished rear wheel. It looked fantastic. Of course, the problem is a dished wheel. Ha- ha- you need a lot of volume of metal on the edge to maintain the strength. Therefore, they become very heavy. Yeah. So that these current designs, when they're made of mag and beautiful alloys, are lighter and better. But they still look a bit pants, if you ask me. So I'm so, not, not going to allow uh, this podcast to become about me and my uh, career. However, <laughs> however, I did start my career cleaning cars, as you well know, um, at BMW in Bristol. And the most pleasurable wheel to clean was an M Coupe wheel. Yeah, because you yeah, get your whole hand in there. Yeah. That's a, sorry, taking, that, taking you back, anyway, take, yeah. taking yeah. out of context, yeah. that would be a, a really odd thing to say. <laughs> so, um, so well, that's your that, that's uh, we've digressed from your last week. We've had yeah. enough of you. So what, so, what, so, what have you been up to? Uh, I went to New York for the final Formula E race of the year. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a controversial topic in this group, Formula E, but I'm going to come out and say it. I like it. It's an event to attend. I think it's awful on TV. I don't think it works on TV, but as an event to attend, I like it. And Isn't I was, that a slight problem? 
for a sport. But if it doesn't problem. translate into television. Yeah, I think disaster the, the, the inherent... I mean, I could go on about Formula E for a while and we'll, we'll try not to. Sure. But, <laughs> but my, the inherent problem with motor, all motorsport is that any car that looks like it's going quick in real life, once you put it through the frame rate they use on television, never looks quick. I mean, look, you watch a Formula One car going through Beckett's Maggots when you're there, it is defying the laws of physics. But on telly, it looks like it's normal speed. And then if you see a Porsche Carrera Cup race car go through there, you think, oh, come on, get on with it. It looks rubbish. And the Formula E... They look like they're driving in sand. <laughs> they look like golf buggies, which is obviously a, a well, is analogy that, they're is trying that to avoid. why they design the tracks for them to drive on that are about as the, as about as wide as well, a you, car, yeah, car and because, a half. Because because when you've got the when the background's closer to the cars, the scenery it, it it makes them look quicker. But also they're going they're not going very quick, and therefore street circuits are safe. You no, could, I thought they they designed these tracks so you could literally not get two cars down there, but obviously they try because they're racing drivers, they so they try, all knock each other off. And that means there's always crashes. There, and yeah. that's what I mean is it's sort of obviously it's not the greatest motorsport for true sort of petrol heads, but as a day out event and especially as a family friendly motorsport in inverted commas event, it's just so accessible and it's one day you turn up, you follow the action throughout the day, it builds and builds in hype. There's always no one is never a processional race informally say good things or bad things about that um, and, it's, they, and they, it's obviously saving the planners as well so the obviously good, the guests can like Sam can fly on a jumbo jet <laughs> over to New no, York but, to watch well, it for, for, uh, for yeah, a day so I do, I do and love that. What, was the, what was the carbon footprint of the Audi Uk <laughs> guest contingent flying turning left on the bomber <laughs> to go and watch a Formula E race I drove an i8 to the race if that helps <laughs> <laughs> you drove an i8 as a guest of Audi to no no I was, a B- I was oh, there with BMW. BMW I was there with okay, BMW sorry, which yeah. was great because it meant that they were uh, you know, really competitive for the weekend, which is also exciting because they've had dodgy season. Um, but no, I, I do, I do genuinely enjoy. I, it. I and like anything that's nascent. You have to give it a chance to establish itself. There's no doubt that electricity is the future of motorsport because that's where car manufacturers are having to go. And and I think it would be remarkable if Formula One wasn't more or entirely electric within seven, eight years, yeah. uh, which makes me shudder a bit. That depresses me massively. Do, do they have the um, Jaguar I-Pace racing series? They do, it? which is even worse. I mean, is, I mean, that, that is really a yeah. That is out of the bottom drawer. Yeah, is. I mean, I think, I, I know someone who drove one of those and, and just said it was appalling on, on every <laughs> level. And I think it looks appalling. And, and it's, it's 650 grand uh, dollars arrive and drive. So you oh. could go and do Blancpain or... Or you could basically drive around in an SUV. <laughs> around a pretty dodgy circle. So, but, but you have to start somewhere, okay? So I, 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 I understand that. What about driving? What have you driven in the last week? Uh, well, Apply, this, talk, talk, me about this, talk me about the Project 8. The Project 8. I, okay, so I'm obsessed with this car. Uh, so long t- story Sam short, turned up in the, is cha- it yours? the Chavalier this morning. It is, it is. <laughs> it's not the Chavalier, <laughs> don't you dare. Um, it, I don't have to agree that the stickers are a little bit strange. I mean, you do, you do present something of a paradox because you turn up and you expect basically a gun-toting lunatic. <laughs> get out and you get out and go oh good morning hello how are you <laughs> so nice to be here in Chelsea or Fulham sorry um, but uh, yeah basically this is a car it's, it's a Jaguar special vehicle operations car so it's a loan car or press car however you might say it um, but I, I'm a Jaguar obsessive I owned an F-Type R for a year or so as well, us YouTubers do that's long for a YouTuber um, uh, and loved it it was brilliant and I kind of miss it and so when they launched this Project 8, or I heard that they were going to launch it, I really thought I wanted one. I thought it was going to tickle and my boxes. And then you saw the price. And then I saw the price. And actually, I went to one of those sort of, you know, potential purchaser previews. And I was sitting there with a friend, and they said, how much do you think it's going to be? And I read the press release, and the last line was, the Project 8 will be priced for collectors. And I went, 
oh, I said, it's going to be 150 grand. He said, if it's 150 grand, I'll laugh and I'll walk out of the room. They do the whole presentation and at the end they go, the car will be 1,409,995. And he laughed and he walked out of the room. And probably the rest of us should at the same time because it's too expensive. But I love it. So I've been driving it. I picked it up. I got it two days ago. Um, it's the, a lunatic it's, car. Um, it's a lunatic car. And I think it was, a, I think in principle, it's a good idea because the numbers didn't stack up for Jag to go and make a proper three series, was it a proper M3 rival? And they would have struggled in the marketplace because the Germans really have a monopoly in that area. So they still needed a halo car, brand builder. They needed something to follow Project 7. It all made sense. The problem, the two main problems are, one, the Germans are so good. Because I'm pretty sure stocky 63S on sticky tyres would take care of that thing around the track. Jag won't want to hear that, but if you've driven it's an It's got a Nürburgring lap record, don't forget. Yeah, but, it, but, if, you, but if, you, if, you, if you stick a set of moody Michelins on pretty much anything, it'll do it. So, um, I, I and I just think they it just looked too bad boy for, for for what people wanted. And so, funnily enough, clearly they they've struggled to shift a few units because they announced the race series to get, and then they and then they just announced this one without the wings. I saw the picture of them without the wings, and I thought, mm, I might have a go. Does it look all right? Well, it, it sort of it had that black series Mercedes AMG look to it, where there's this suggestion of naughtiness, but not just the full peacock plumage, which I think is is what appeals to people for a road car. I think the suggestion's pretty brutal, though. I mean, I, when you walk up to that car, you see it parked, especially here in London, it looks like a race car parked on the road. I mean, well, it well, in all fairness, though, even that car downstairs with the wings on it, if it, didn't, if it wasn't in that blue and it didn't have a Jaguar pouncing no, out I the rear wheel arch, the moment, the moment you've got stanchions, better. whatever you call them, stanchions, stanchions, the moment you've got posts with, that attach a wing to them, you look like a... You, you either look like you should be at a track or you're trying to be at a track or you're just a knob. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I, side skirts are so for some reason, no G, step. GT3 RS get away, gets away with it because it's just the, it's the beginning end of that story. Whereas that just looks like you're trying too hard. But without the wings, there's I'll, potential. I'll give you. But then you've, you know, you've paid big dollar for it and you sit inside and go, you've got the classic Jaguar Land Rover infotainment system, which frankly has a mind of its own. It's yeah. unfathomable. Um, so for, it was, a, it was a, a bit of a missed opportunity for me. And there's too many things wrong with it because I, I would say the closest on-road experience I've had in terms of how it feels behind the wheel is a GT3 RS because it, it feels that sort of solid and planted into the tarmac and, and just track focus, basically. But the GT3 RS is basically perfect in every way, right? Seating position and comfort. But it's and also viewing. got 350 kilograms less to lump around, which is everything on a track. Which is exactly that. And then the Project A, you're you're sitting in a slightly weird offset position and it's left-hand drive only because... You're talking yourself out of it, mate. You, five minutes ago, you, you, you were... It's because I don't have the money. It was, it I'm not Shmi 150. It, it, I know that's it, what you wanted on this podcast. It, it, it was a religious experience. Right now, now. Yeah. So I, I, and also, it's a, it, I, I quite like the idea of, of deliberately absurd performance cars. You take something that shouldn't have performance and, and uh, give it performance. I can remember when I was a kid... Um, there was an American truck called a GMC Cyclone. I remember seeing it in car magazine. It was like an American little pickup, and someone gave it 300 horsepower or something. And just this this concept of something that should go really fast, shouldn't go really fast, but does, is great. But this, the Project 8 is the ultimate example of a vehicle that answers a question that was never asked, which is, 
I've got 150 grand to spend. I want to go and do track days, but I want it to have four doors and no rear seats. Or whatever, you know, I mean, I, I, that one's got rear seats, hasn't it? Uh, that one's got rear yeah, seats. Hold on. The I best just one sat is the in one the back seat of it. Yes. So that's, that's... <laughs> it's, early. it's early. We'll forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you're right. You can have the ridiculous track pack version for an extra 10 grand. Um, here we go. Me and my Jag salesman. Um, uh, with a roll cage. The, you lose yeah, yeah. the back seats, which makes it even more ridiculous. But what was the M4 one that they did? Was it a DTM that didn't yeah, sell they did. Well? They did, a, they did a DTM, but they also did a GTS, didn't they? Yeah. They've, do, they've done a few. Which would you have then? I mean, because I would Well, I was really underwhelmed by that car. Yeah. So we had it for some test against the GT3 RS and a, another track-focused thingy. I don't know what it would have been. Oh, it would have been an AMG GTR, which is a good car. And the BMW just got absolutely mullered because the, the motor doesn't quite stack up at that price level. It's not that But they fast. look wrong as well. You know, what was the CSL was a pure thing, mm-hmm. an object to look at, where the the later versions, they but just didn't, the, they the just E90, didn't look right. The E92, whatever it would have, the GTS, the, 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 the orange GTS, one. That was a massively overpriced nonsense. But if you drive one now, it's quite cool. Mm. But I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, sadly... Going into that marketplace is a bit like trying to build an, a very expensive GT convertible back in the 90s and noughties. You know, the Mercedes SL bossed it. And a number of companies, I remember talking to their marketing people, they go, we've been thinking of doing a car in that class, but we know that people just want an SL, so there's no point in us going there. And I slightly get that feeling of the way Porsche monopolizes Every, every now and again, someone else comes in to make a splash because their marketing department says, we should go in there, we can do it. And they normally leave three years later with very red bottom cheeks <laughs> and, 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 um, and their yeah. tail between their legs. Yeah. So, okay, so you've been doing that. In the last week, I've been knocking about in this ratty M5 I've bought, which I'm slightly evangelical about, but I got stuck in a traffic jam on a motorway and it has no aircon. So I've now understood that I might need to find some bits on eBay to fit aircon to it. Um, I went out on a speedboat last night on the River Severn, which I've I've never done before. I've lived in around that area for many years, and and driving of going underneath the bridge and seeing that as a piece of engineering, I found fascinating. I just thought it was amazing. Also, what an angry piece of water! If you turn the engine off, you're about a mile away from where you were <laughs> yeah. in seconds. I mean, if you fell in there, it would be it is very tidal, properly dangerous. I also now know that when you go from Chepstow up the Y, there are some high sided gorges there, and. Um, if you speak quite quietly, it echoes quite a lot. So if, if you fall in and you swear, then people hear you. Good to know. People, people, what, what's people the, that are walking. So, sure. I, so I had a few. I had a few complaints about my language. What's the so what's the wave you can catch? That's the seven ball. The seven ball that, that you can surf all yeah. the way. A up. singular wave, or is it's it one cost? wave that comes in on the, on the neap or the spring tide. One yeah. or two comes all the way in. You can surf it for five miles oh or something like yeah. that. That is brilliant. Yeah. If yeah. I could surf. That yeah. Is yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can boogie board. In terms of yeah. new cars, I'm slightly out of the loop at the moment with the old new car. What have I driven? Oh, I rolled my old, this, I've got a Mulzahn, which is a bit you, of a... You rolled, you rolled your old... No, I rolled, I rolled it out. I, 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 no, I didn't. I rolled, <laughs> so I've been, I've been in that for a couple of days. I love that car. There's something about a big old smoker that, and I look absurd driving it because I'm small and I'm brown. So it looks like it looks like there's a tall white guy should be in the back being driven by me. But no, it's actually me. I should have a sign on the front going, it's just me on my own. I have um, to say, I well, remember... It's funny, you just said, we just talked about the car downstairs, these big, yeah, very expensive cars that have no use, we think. But yeah. they probably do to some people. But you are now talking about a very expensive, but, although half the price it was yeah, but new it's, Bentley. But it's, but, it's, uh, but it's for me, it serves a purpose. It's very comfortable. It was a, it was the result of a classic piece of whiskey fueled man math 
internet searching where I went on to buy, I do a lot of miles to go about the place and I'm getting old and tired and I just wanted something to take up the miles. So I went on to buy a Mercedes S-Class, a used S-Class. I thought I'll get a used S-Class, do loads of miles and it'll be fine. And as ever, that started. And by the time I, you know, the second whiskey, third whiskey gone yeah. down, I've ended up buying a Malzahn. Because you go through it and think, well, if that's that month, do a calculation. There's a, someone's trying to flog, desperately flog a Malzahn. You think, I'll get a deal on that. And by the end, I bought them. I'm a, so, so many times this has been my downfall. And I, I'm a sucker for what I view as man math value. So if you go to crew and watch someone, you watch them make a Malzahn, it's so labor intensive. It takes nearly three times longer than a, than a normal Bentis, right? So it's, you know, there's a, there's a lovely old woman there that, that takes the, goes into the humidor and gets the veneers out. And the thing is properly hand built. And then you, and then you, you think how many man hours have gone into this thing? How much love and attention has gone into it? It's a, it's an object of pure luxury and indulgence. And then you speak to someone and they say, we've got one. It was new three years ago it was three hundred thousand pounds it's done thirteen thousand miles and you can have it for i think it was eighty thousand and i know this is absurd but that's value isn't it so you it's worth less than a third of its new price and i can't help that yeah i think we can all argue ourselves into any car realistically yeah and, but it's not it's, it's not 80 grand is it because i i've i've put it i've put it on the tick so I've, i think i'm 15 in and i have some drip every month and how many it, miles has it done? Had so it done? It had done, I think, thirteen. It's already done twenty-two. Oh, so it was it was a proper car. Oh, it's gorgeous. Low, yeah. it's absolutely not, not like a ratty Phantom with hundred thousand miles. I was going to say because I remember was, seeing no, you at Silverstone. I went quiet. I went on quiet on that because yeah. I had a bad time with that. So the steering rack failed, and that needed doing, and then it needed a service, and then, I mean, the bills. There was one bill that came in and I genuinely phoned them up and said, I think you've made a mistake. There's an extra <laughs> naught on it because I couldn't get my, I couldn't get my head around what they were doing. And then the fuel pumps failed. The fuel pump failed and they wouldn't replace only one. They said, as a matter of course, we have to replace two. So I looked at the spec of the engine and thought, it's just a 760 engine. This It is genuinely the BMW engine. So I, went, I looked at the part number and it's, three times the price for the Rolls-Royce one wow. over the BMW one. I said, well, I'll just buy a couple of BMW ones, boys. Slap those in. Sorry, sir. We can't do that. <laughs> At that point, I thought she has to go. Yeah. There, are, there are a few cars that uh, when they come out, I look at them and thinking, I don't want to own one today, but I'm, I, I'm thinking about yeah. you in the future. And the new... Bentley Flying Spur Ooh. does that to me. I, that looks very nice, brilliant. I and as I said when we were coming upstairs, the AMR Rapide, which I appreciate you don't like the shape. No, it's just the shape. I, 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 yeah, after driving a normal Rapide S, it's a wonderful car. Do you to have drive. any contacts with Aston Martin in the trade or not? Uh, not anymore, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've been enjoying. And the, the weird thing about okay, it's very difficult to talk objectively about a car like that because I know it comes across as me being absurd, but. I'm mid forties. I've worked reasonably hard. I don't feel guilty about buying a used. You're mid forties. Yeah, I'm a very old man, and um, and therefore, uh, what I do like is I, the motor vehicle, is I think very appealing on many levels. But one thing that people underestimate is the fact that you're hermetically sealed from the outside world, and it's your little space, and it's a bad thing. We've become addicted to it because that's why we all drive around on our own in cars, which is. a a massive issue but when you're in that Bentley you are genuinely sealed from the outside world and it calms me down I don't drive it fast I just schlep everywhere I listen to the radio I listen to audiobooks it changes my entire behaviour and my outlook on life I turn up after a three hour journey in that 
and I smile. People think I'm ill when I get out of it because normally I scowl and, and, and I'm rude. Uh, but, the, you know, the people get out and go, you're right. Mm. You seem to be happy. Yeah, but doing what we do, or what all of us do, we do have to do a lot of miles. Yeah. And I think anyone outside of that do does think we're mad often. You know, you say, I've got a four-hour drive up somewhere and they go, oh my God, I can't. you're like, oh, I'm quite looking forward yeah, but to exactly. it. I, I, thinking I, time. I love the driving yeah. and I love the thinking time, but, the, but you, there's something about being a big old bus that's quiet, that calms you down. Because sometimes you do grow a pair of horns and you know you want to push on. You never really want to push on in the Bentley because that means stopping, and it's like a tanker. It really, <laughs> you try a big stop. I had one. I had a blue one. Bentley lent me one when I was racing a Bentley a few years ago, and I had it for a while. And I went. I took Maz from Singer to. We did our first. I remember this. Story. We did. We did our first interviews for the for we've we're we're doing a film documenting the entire process of that new Singer, which is nice, going to be really cool. Nice. And we went to Stuttgart to uh, interview a couple of engin- famous engineers from Porsche. And we had to get there in a bit of a hurry and it was in a Mulsanne speed and the bad boy would sit at a 175 to 180, would sit there at a cruise and you could just talk at this level. It was so well engineered and you could tell that they'd done real testing on it. However, I had to do one massive stop to, to get out of the way of a truck and it had ceramics on it. And they basically caught. They but they were on fire. Literally caught fire. Yeah, yeah they were on fire. Best of them. Oh my God. And and so I think you showed us a photo of that, didn't you? And there's the. I mean, the speedo needles. It's, yeah. it's all cocked up, isn't it? But the speedos. It looks. It feels like it's wound itself off the clock. But the thing is, when you want something that big, you don't really know anything's on fire because it's so quiet and you're so sort of cocooned that you yeah. you don't really catch well, on. It's, the, the, you, it comes through the nose. Okay, <laughs> the, 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 that's your first. The, the old factory senses. You go. What's, mm. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> but we no, I, I think it's uh, and I love the way the Mulsanne looks there's just this art deco um beauty to it that I, and I'm I'm slightly addicted to it I don't I think it's it's not a two-year project for me it's probably 18 months and then I'll I'll have to move it on because the depreciation I mean who puts miles on a Mulsanne when I go when I get that bid on the way back it's going to be the old days with Edward Edward what's it worth I've got some bad news <laughs> Chris I don't, I've got, I've got some bad news you know I, the market the market's changed terribly <laughs> in two days I can't believe it now, um, there was something else you've done this week. What's that? You've built a Tamiya. Oh, yeah, I've been doing that. So, so um, because of the unique way the BBC is funded, um, I can't take sponsorship. And um, But I've had Tamiya on my crash helmet uh, for a couple of years now, three years. And, um, uh, and I have a couple of model kits from them. So, they are, um, if you're a child of the 80s, a Japanese company called Tamiya used to, they made uh, these model kits, radio controlled cars. So you'd build it yourself um, and you'd get it on Christmas Day and normally you'd fight to get it done by Boxing Day and then normally you'd smash it in half against a tree halfway through Boxing Day and be clawing at your parents <laughs> saying, can I have a new chassis please? And uh, they were just, for me, they were an incredibly important part of my youth because they taught me about how a car worked. Um, so, my, you know, my limited understanding of suspension, differentials, everything else, even you know, the internals of a damper were defined by these model kits. And so, as ever, wanting to live vicariously through my children, I've given them the model kits. And I sat down with my oldest son this week and spent two days just building a Tammy. Not model letting kit. him touch anything. No, no, I, no, I'm not that bad. I mean, he'll tell you that he'll, he'll tell you that I was a bit bossy at times. But do you know what? And on a, on a serious note, in a world of social media, of children with their heads down looking at devices and not acknowledging people when they walk into a room what a joyous thing to do we put our phones to one side and we sat and argued and laughed drank tea and me and 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 i sat there going and that you'll find is a fully independent <laughs> and, look at, and look at that universal joint what was your first tamia 
uh, my first time here was an Audi Quattro. Was it? Yeah, what was yours? Mine was not as tasteful as that. What I just it? had to Google it just to make sure it was a Tamiya. I'm lunchbox. pretty sure it was. I got the lunchbox. Did you? Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure you'd be able to call something the lunchbox today in no, quite I the think same something uh, else, manner. But yeah, yeah. yeah, the lunchbox. But the but lunchbox, lunchbox. The lunchbox uh, had a fixed rear end as well on it, didn't yeah. it? It had a solid rear axle. It, did. it was cool. I remember building it, as you said, and uh, the first time I used it, took it out into the field and the throttle got stuck it and just, it disappeared. <laughs> it was gone. Yeah, it was never coming back. The big worry was if they got out of range and the speed controller was on full speed yeah. you couldn't then knock the throttle back it just went off and destroyed itself so yeah I built one of those uh, I love Tamiya when I, in fact every time I go to Japan I do go and find the Tamiya shop and just walk around and buy books and rare sort of glues and things they only sell in t- Tamiya Japan it's a, it's a bit of a cult actually it's a bit like Arai helmets they, it's, it's one of these things that became a global phenomenon but when you go back to base it's tiny I went to the Arai headquarters a year ago and it really is, it's in the equivalent of an industrial estate in Swindon. Yeah. You, you expect this. It's not of, interesting well, really at all. Well, no, no, it was amazingly interesting, but I just love the fact that they don't get beyond themselves. But their, their view is, we are, we make crash helmets, we're not an international corporation, yeah. so we're not going to change. And you go in and Mr. Arai walks in and goes, do you want a coffee? And you go, <laughs> oh. and, it, the, and the foyer, they've got a display of all their stuff in the foyer. It, re, it's, it is less impressive in terms of its scale and the way that it's been arranged than, than the merchandising side of a BMW dealership. Yeah. But they love it. They're so, you know, you go in there and there's a lid that's been, you know, there's Jensen Button, there's some of the best drivers in history have signed all this gear and it's just, it's just like it's in someone's living room. I love it. It's understated brilliance. Right. Well, whilst we're on cars, just a couple of things I want to talk about before we get into uh, oh, this is on the this. world. You don't of do no, 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 I don't. I, <laughs> which vehicle of yours, no, 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 which vehicle no, no, of yours no, no, value do you no, want no, us no, to increase just now? Because you just said uh, earlier on that there's quite a lot's happened in the last 48 hours or so in the car world um i want the opinion on electric hypercars that for some reason need to be two million quid and on the other contrast is a uh, an iconic american muscle car that's sixty thousand dollars it's, it's you start on this. Oh, God. Um, well, as a man who I don't think will ever be buying a car for £2 million, I couldn't care less about ones that are priced that, that highly. I mean, I, I think forever now it seems to be that there are these companies and manufacturers, whether they're huge companies or independents, uh, that are releasing cars for the, for the very few, um, whether it's Koenigsegg or limited edition Paganis or Lotus with this new electric... It's called, it's a, called the Evija. Evija, there we go. Thank you. I... I Sounds like a, a it sounds like a, a sort of a SDI, form of, a form of thrush. It yeah. kind of looks, <laughs> you know, it looks like most of these I think it looks like a sports Ferrari. cars. Well, it just looks like a sports car. But lo- like lo- Lotus, don't yeah. Lotus build lightweight, affordable. Well, I think we have to accept the fact that there's a new Lotus now, um, and under Geely, I suspect they're going to emerge because Geely's custodianship of Volvo is the most successful of of those relationships. Um, I've followed that quite closely actually from the start and they've done an amazing job. They've gone there. Everyone thought they were just going to sort of asset grab and take the badge over to China and make crap cars in China. But actually what they've done is they've 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 capitalised a great brand and said, go and do your thing. And Volvo are now making knockout cars that look fantastic and are very desirable. XC40 is like my dream They're everyday also, car. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that little thing. And I, I, think, I think they've done a great job. So one has to say looking at that template, they have every chance of, of doing it with Lotus. Although Lotus is, you know, it is the poison chalice, isn't it? Mm. So many people in the last 25 years, 30 years, have tried to resurrect Lotus and failed. So it is the graveyard of, of ambition in some respects. But one, one has to think that Geely can succeed. But the, the 2000 
Now, do you relaunch Lotus as a brand with a car that no one can afford? I, I think it, I think it's, I think it's a bit tricky that one because there's unobtainium is a great way of of, of haloing a brand. That is your favourite word. I do. Yeah, yeah, but but stuff stuff that stuff stuff that you that most people can't afford and and should remain on a poster. Is, is is weirdly tangible, but if you you if you go to the sort of outer stratosphere, and and start talking about two million pounds, I think people lose interest. Also, there is something inherently unsexy about these electric powertrains because no one really knows what they're about, and then and I don't think anyone knows they're real because we all know the Rimac can lunch anything in a straight line, but I've not seen. You know, one I've not seen, I've not, and I've not seen many people just get in one and slide the shit out of it on a circuit, but I'm sure it'll happen. So. Jury's out. I think it's an odd strategy. Yeah. I think what I think what they. Sh- I hate to endorse Mr. Baha, who obviously went to Lotus with seven ridiculous cars that didn't exist, and this is what we're doing. But there's a middle ground. I, I would have hoped they'd have gone. Here's the Evija, and by the way, here's a mock-up of our new fifty-five thousand pound or yeah. sixty thousand pound sub Cayman rival that's going to be two hundred and fifty horsepower, maybe a light hybrid, or a very very efficient petrol engine, and it's going to weigh eight hundred and fifty kilograms. It's basically, they need an Alpine A110. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and funny enough, I was reading something on um, Twitter this morning about the new Corvette. And uh, this is typical of American cars because they are very cheap in America. When you bring them over here and add VAT and import duty and convert them to right-hand drive, you know they aren't as cheap anymore. But the, the statement they made in this tweet was that's going to be right in there amongst Alpines and Caymans, yeah. which mm. is exactly mm. what Lotus should be yeah, you know, but, coming but to I, market saying, oh, should I get an Alpine? But if you're looking at, if you're, if you're Geely and you've, you know, you've just recapitalized Lotus and you need to make money, I mean, you just look at margin, don't you? And that was, that was the great problem for Lotus. It, I, I love Lotus. I had a very early Elise. I had a very early Exige. But the margin on a, I'm I'm led to believe the margin on an earlier lease was you know a grand if they were lucky. Mm-hmm. If you're selling a, if you're selling a sports car for fifty grand, where's the margin? Whereas if you're selling a car for five hundred thousand, you can wriggle in a big old margin. So someone clever with a spreadsheet and a big forehead will will do those numbers. But yeah, there was so something come, uh, fundamentally wrong, by the way, with the uh, Series One Elise and how it handled on a wet racetrack. No, it was Absolutely. just it was just a bit spiky. That's all. Some, <laughs> some, some, Not the one I had. Yeah, some, some, <laughs> no, what what the toast the rear toe could go out and that original tire was Larry. But you know, apart from that, hey, I mean, I, I only crashed mine once. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, sla- I I stacked my Elise. That I, was I what, did as well. That wasn't that wasn't a fine. It wasn't day. mine. <laughs> the, um, Before so, we moved to the Americas, I just I, I went to the launch event or party I don't know what they would call it for that Avija thing and I is think that part of your global contract as an influencer yes thank you <laughs> and their claim is that this car you know Lotus have always been front runners they've always done stuff that's a little bit controversial or uh, headline grabbing and that's what they're trying to do with the Avija it's trying to say look we're different we're revolutionary we can bring you know, new stuff to the market. What, and you listen to that bullshit? No, well, no, because no, I, so I was, let, I was on be Instagram and Twitter let, at the time. Let's, let's be absolutely clear. Everyone at the moment is thrashing around going, what's going to happen? What's the future? Uh, let's hedge our bets. Let's say that we've got a 2,000 horsepower concept electric hypercar coming. So it's not in any way breaking the mould. Everyone's doing it, I think, at the moment. But they're, they're not tangible, these things, until I, no. until I know what they're about. Also, I can't. I'm, I've got a 300 horsepower, 25 year old estate car at the moment, and I can't deploy all of that on the road. So what? I don't know what I'd do with 2,000. Anyhow, let's move on to the Corvette. Yes. So, yeah. but I was a bit worried by the way the 
the camoed uh, mule cars look because they didn't seem to sit too well on the road. It looked a bit like an NSX had crashed into a 430 to me. Um, and sure enough, the, the the actual card still has a whiff of that about it, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, it's a US product, isn't it? It's a card designed for the US federal market. It'll be incredibly cheap. It will definitely steal sales from the established mid-engine you know, rivals at the moment. A Porsche Cayman will suddenly look very expensive, although don't underestimate the cachet of that brand. People that buy a Porsche buy it because they want a Porsche. They don't really... Half of them, or most of them, don't care about how it drives. Yeah. And... But when it comes here, you know, to just just to put a little bit of cold water on the fire, it's not going to come over here and be fifty five grand because by the time they've messed around with it, done their currency exchange rates and put a bit of mar- bit more margin on, added the VAT and everything else, I bet you it'll be seventy five grand. Yeah, here. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then and then at seventy five grand, people will immediately go, "Well, look at the interior quality. Is that from a cow or is that from a I don't know?" <laughs> and and. And you start scrutinising things. I've got an American car at the moment. I've got that Camaro Z28 that I love. Yeah. In fact, it's going to end up being sold soon. It might even end up on a particular auction platform. Oh, but, hello. Because um, I've got too many cars to do the same thing. And even though I love that, I, that's probably the one that has to go. Um, it, 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 it struggles to stack up to most people. I love it. But a lot of people that would be in the market to spend that sort of money on a car would look at the interior and go, is this a joke? That is true. That They are improving. I bought a GT350 when I was in the States a few years ago. and you, you turned good money on that, didn't you? No, uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Every time I saw Edward or spoke to him at the end of the conversation, do you know anyone that wants a GT350? <laughs> <laughs> really nice one knocking yeah, around. Yeah. I got carried away with that. Anyway, the build quality was pretty good. Yeah, but it, was, it, it still doesn't have... There is an there is a, a a genius to the way these German manufacturers have managed to make interior an art form. The way that the materials they use, the way they put them together, the typefaces they use, even just the way the switches move is an art form. And you, the number of people they apply to those projects shows that it takes time. And the Americans, Toyota do it quite, as well. They, the, the, not, their Supra interior is it, it very is. very Germanic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Very tish. So, so I. But but the Americans have said, why waste the money on that? We don't care so much about that. Our market. We'd rather sell a car that's a bit shonkier but cheaper. And I think it's a really great idea. So let's see with the Corvette. I just the Corvette is an institution. If you say Corvettes are bad people don't like you i know that because i once said the z06 wasn't as quick as the gt2 back in the day a 996 gt no 997 gt2 and i got death threats got proper oh, yeah. death threats i had the same i got vilified for a convertible z06 what's the whatever the latest one is yeah i said it overheats and it's crap and it's boring and be careful oh my channel nearly got shut down i was this was in 2007 2008 i would have thought and um the, the back then there was there was a number you could call in America if you suspected someone might be about to commit a terrorism act. <laughs> oh no, no, no word of a lie. And um, and because of, of because I'm a swarthy chap that sometimes has a beard, someone clearly thought, "Well, dob him in just to get him in trouble." Oh so God. because I don't, and I, yeah, someone did. Because you genuinely didn't. So like I had a Corvette. very long conversation at Houston Airport when I landed. Wow. So so I think Corvettes are brilliant. Yeah. No, so 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 the Corvettes an institution, and. Uh, but I think moving to a mid-engine platform is going to be interesting because it, it, it places greater demands on, on what the vehicle needs to be able to do. Because there's a front-engined rear-wheel drive vehicle that had a transverse leaf spring. I mean, it's, it's a, sorry, longitudinal leaf spring. You know, it ha- no, it's transverse, wasn't it, the leaf spring? Yeah. And um, it was crude. Therefore, you could offset a load of that through its personality. But now you're going to have a generation, new generation of drivers that are going to have to understand mid-engine handling. Because if you back off mid-corner, 
it's not friendly. It's quite different. I'm sure it'll have the electronic suite that you need to control it. But it's a very... I hope it won't lose too much of its kind of Essence. brutal charm. Because if it's mid-engine, it then has to become something that's accurate and precise. And, I, and, and that doesn't sit with the word Corvette to me. Or should it be called a Stingray? Do you think that was well, a I don't see the, the the Stingray, the original Corvette, doesn't resonate so much for me. So for me, it's, it doesn't matter so much. But whereas when Porsche resurrected this seven one eight name for the Cayman, I was just spitting on the floor, <laughs> going, "Sully your own heritage, you fuckwits." <laughs> um, but um, do you want to? Uh, got to? Can you that? You know, can't hear that piano, can you? Uh, you probably can, but we, we, a, just, we, let, just let you know. Nice if you for can, the benefit yeah. of the audience, one of Edward's children is just lightly dancing across the ivories downstairs. It's a beautiful noise. It's quite relaxing, <laughs> it, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like being in a jazz bar. I think it's Eine Kleine Nacht music. <laughs> uh, so I think the, uh, the vet, it looks fine. It's going to be an absolute bargain and it will shake things up. But, but cautionary note, it ain't going to be 50 grand, whatever it is, 60 grand when it comes here. No, no, absolutely it won't. But it was more the positioning that they're going after that big market yeah. where, that, that they can disrupt. Yeah. 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 So, so, Sam, talk me through your how this started for you, why you um, became someone that wanted to make car content. And I, and I, and I, and I'll, I will respectfully say that certainly when you started out, you made a decision to create car content. You didn't decide to become an influencer. Oh. And I'm sure that that name has connotations for you. And now, in front of this slightly weirdly assembled kangaroo court, is your chance <laughs> to explain. Well, I have to say, yeah, uh, it, it, the word influencer does make me feel a bit sick because uh, I don't think it means anything. I, th- I think, you know, uh, what is it? But yeah, to go back to my story, I, I was working, I worked in, well, PR really. Um, but for eight years, I didn't go to university. I started working. I wanted to be a musician. Didn't take enough of the uh, white powder. So realized that wasn't going to work out for me. Switched to PR and had a great time of it. But I, I, my first love, my true love is motorsport. Really Formula One. And so throughout my PR career, I kept trying to you know, win F1 clients, F1 sponsors, anything to do with F1. And it never happened. So quit the PR job and set up a consultancy. I quickly realized I didn't want to be a PR consultant. And I probably wasn't very good at it. So I was sitting around in an office not really knowing what to do. And went to my dad, who's been self-employed his whole life, and said, look, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm bored, I want to go back and get a nine-to-five. And he said, no, 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 find a hobby. And so when you're busy, put the hobby to the side, and when you're not busy, do the hobby, and you'll be fine. And I always made home videos. I was that loser kid on family holidays being like, oh, mum, can you just walk through that tree again? You know, I was always making home videos. And as I say, I was passionate about motorsport and, and cars. I, I wouldn't say like I was like, that knowledgeable, but I was really passionate. And my route to work, because I'm a plushy git, was from Clapham to Mayfair. And so I used to take the bus through Sloan Street. And at the time, I was following a lot of uh, photographers on Instagram who were taking pictures of supercars on Sloan Street. And during the day when I did my commute, I'd see all these cars that they never saw. So I went, there you go, that's easy. Why don't I just make some videos as I walk to and from work, whatever cars I see, and I'll throw it up. And if I make 100 quid a month, brilliant. Maybe I can buy some tickets to the F1 or go to a Cars and Coffee or whatever it might be. And that was the sole purpose. So at this point, I I presume Shmi is already doing his thing at this point. He's already, so there's already people out there taking, putting videos up of people driving cars down a road. For sure. So there was Shmi 150 and there were Supercars of London, who I would say were the only two people 
the awful word vlogging uh, car life. So maybe not reviewing cars, not doing test drives. They weren't magazines. They were sort of showing They're car paparazzi, weren't they? Yeah, exactly that. So it was it was interesting. But actually, they weren't my inspiration at all. I was obsessed with motorbike vloggers. Right. So these guys who would ride around with a camera strapped to their helmet and just film what they saw and talk about it. And most of them were sort of lighthearted or comedic. It was never, they weren't like, oh, I've just bought this bike or this bike's got 400cc or whatever. They were just getting on with life and talking about it. And I thought, I could do something similar. I'm not going to try and be My funny. My favourite one of those is Baron Von Grumble. Baron Von Grumble. Hilarious. I was supposed to do a video with him, Baron, if you're listening to this. And, um, and then I went and got this flipping job on the BBC uh, and I never annoying. got back to it. We'll do it, we'll do it. <laughs> He's his a super one, nice his guy. One, his one of going green laning in a oh GSXR is one of the... That's a great YouTube video. But that's what I mean. He's just doing fun stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On his bikes. Or he loves following his bikes. that bloke with the polite thing on his back. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know those awful no, bikers who have the... They look like police. But it, says but it actually polite says polite. Uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you think it's and police. He, he's and he's, on, he's oh following it going, look at this twat here. He's, he's abusing him. He's yeah, absolutely... He's and so him and Royal Jordanian's another great London-based guy who, again, doesn't even really talk, but... They're all still doing it, are they? They're all still doing it. Royal Jordanian, I think, is over a million subscribers now. And I so. think what's well, from some, so you start doing this, and it, the parallel in what I was doing at the time was that I was, you know, I was engaged by Google, by YouTube to create car to create car content because they felt YouTube felt that it could almost go after the linear television producers, and it was fairly apparent to me early on that we weren't going to get anywhere because. It, it was costing us a good deal of money to make the content, even though we did it for nothing. But how are you supposed to compete with you standing there looking just with a camera on a street side? If you can get two thirds of the views or even the same views we could on a video that costs us five grand to make and you're doing it for 100 quid, the game's over for me straight away. I think, yes, financially, but, but, but from as a fan or as a person who likes cars, the car content I was watching was you. I mean, it was those Evo videos with Harry going to get the Pagani from the factory and, you know, it was the high quality, well curated. But little did you well- know that you, 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 you came in and ended it. <laughs> and ruined it. Yeah. I screwed up what I was enjoying the so, most. So, you, so you're doing that? Yeah, doing that. Do it for a year alongside the PR. Uh, it becomes way too much fun. I go on a trip with Shmi, see that it can be a business because he is a businessman. Whatever you might say about him, he's, a, he's an incredible businessman. He's created this little empire for himself, which is definitely not little. Um, and he's done it re- relatively all by himself. And so I saw that and I thought that's mighty impressive and I don't want to do PR anymore. I want to do this YouTube game. So I didn't pitch for any more business, ran out my contracts with my clients and then I was a, yeah, a full-time YouTuber. And at that point, I think I'd earned about a thousand pounds from YouTube. So it felt like quite a big step. But I, I knew you could make money from having spent time with, you know, Shmi 150, Supercars of London. I knew it was possible. I just didn't know when it would so happen. So how, how do, this is another, this is a very interesting subject for me. How do, how do YouTubers forward slash influencers monetize their lives? Because most people, I think, view it totally, you know, they're totally perplexed by it. They think, well, I've got a YouTube channel and I look at my analytics and I earn this per click. <laughs> sure. And their numbers, they'd have to be doing a billion views to afford the finance on one focus. Yeah. So, so how does it add up? So yeah. How does it work then? Firstly, it's very different to what it was just even two years ago. It's changing constantly. Um, you do have to be getting millions and millions of views per month, correct. But the big uh, focus now for YouTube is minutes watched. So you would have noticed about three years ago, uh, YouTube, in my mind, from a brand perspective, when I used to work in PR, content was 
a minute long max. You know, it was all about short, clickable watch. You know, you just get as much information as possible. And then suddenly everyone started making 12, 15, 20 minute videos. And it was like, oh my God, like creating that is hard enough. That was Watching about the time is... that I sort of ducked out from it temporarily. I and mean, I'll go back one day, but I remember that suddenly there was this push for minutes. Because we've been doing long videos already. Okay. Who that... tells you this? Who You, you figure it out. You, no you one figure tells out. you. There's, there's no, no little tutorial I mean, we, back I end wish, of YouTube I wish. that you go to. <laughs> and, and do you know what? When we were fully, you know, when we were working with YouTube, we go in and say tell us what to do and they just shrug and go there are no rules we mm. can tell you what we want to achieve with the platform what our goals are for the next couple of years and that was, we had to sign NDAs for that but basically they just said you make up the rules you know you can do what you want and you can work it out and you do work it out quite quickly minutes served became a really big thing so it became a for, massive thing and that and I can remember um buying a camera we had an, the first camera we used for youtube was a sony fs 100 which is mm. a bit of a revolutionary camera because mm. it was a it, you could bolt um you know proper kit lenses on the front of it but it what the back end wasn't expensive as a red and this new one came out i think neil will confirm i think it was an fs 600 many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was called, And it did slow-mo. So first of all, slow-mo, people love seeing cars sliding around. But of course... It takes ages to deliver. So everything, I remember slow-mo added a third of the length onto the film. So I was like, Neil, wind up the Done. slow-mo. Perfect. I'm going for that long right-hander. Fourth gear, there's a minute in that. And, I, and, and so you, but you do become very cynical because you're just always thinking. Right? Yeah. And the magic number was 10 minutes. Yeah. That was the magic number. So basically, uh, they pay you now on minutes watched. And, you know, I'd say two years ago, you could make a lot of money from not that many minutes watched. You know, if you were averaging a million and a half or two million so views a month. So when you say a lot of money, what do you think? So so you've got, I'm not going to ask you what you earn from it because no, I'll no. never do that. Sure. If someone asked me the same question, I wouldn't answer it. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I've seen you've got 430 something subscribers, 430,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Sure, unbelievable. And so, so, what what do you think's realistic? So if you put up a ten minute video, what do you think is realistic to earn from a video like that? Couple hundred moment? quid. Okay. Couple hundred quid. And yeah. I I think so you know. You, so you're in, you've got to produce a volume of content, and most important thing, and this is why the you know the big players in the area are doing well. It's your back catalogue. That's then, exactly. Because everyone's going back and looking at your back catalogue, and then the minutes accumulate. Yeah. That's exactly. I could take a month off and probably still earn some money, not yeah. a lot, because your back catalogue doesn't earn you tons but it earns and enough people, and people do lose interest in the old stuff very quickly exactly they? which is you think you've always got to have a view on that you know do you want views right now do you want the horrific clickbait of someone crashed into my car or do you want the what it's like to live with a Mulsanne okay because oh god yeah um, <laughs> for the avoidance of doubt fucking expensive um, so uh, so 
Um, so, so that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the YouTube. So what about Instagram? What about what about the deals? I mean, I, I'm again, I'm, it's not my world, but I, I'm someone that's been going on car launches for you know a long time, twenty years, and the deal for me was they'd send you an invite, you turn up, you scrutinise the car, they don't always like what you got to say. And then you sell. I used to sell the story wherever I could. And back in the day, syndication. I had a syndication manager, and we'd we'd sell. The, we'd have a primary UK client, a primary US client, and then the rest of it was just around the world. If you could get it into the Bangladesh evening weasel for twenty quid, you did. Because if you could get twenty of those going, there was some bunts in it. But I never got. You know, if I turned around to Porsche and said, "I'll come, but I want ten grand to turn up." They would have, not only would they have laughed, they would have given me a sausage-shaped set of Vs and said, don't darken our door again. So, But now I hear that this is the way the world works. So t- tell me about how it should work. Well, I, I, if that is the case, then I, I'm doing something wrong and I, 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 I'm losing a lot of money. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, I personally, actually, no, that's a lie. I've been paid once by a manufacturer to attend an event and I specifically had in the contract that I wasn't contractually obliged to review the car. Because right. I don't think you can. If you're going to a launch or uh, to review, you can't do a paid review. It's, it's not right. I can't speak for my you, competitors. You, you yeah. can't. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> so, can't speak for my competitors. I, I, I don't think, I think it is a misconception that most YouTubers are paid to attend launches. I think most go because it's a free weekend, it's free content, it's nice to get in with the manufacturers. I, I have a sense that the, that, that, that people in that space are incentivized to perpetuate the myth they are being paid. Yes. Because but why wouldn't you? Well, they're not, well, they're, they're not being paid, but, but it is paid for. It's paid for Fla- and flights. Yeah, but, but that's that's you know you you can't have a product no, launch. That won't matter to you, but to a young guy on YouTube, not perhaps you, Sam, but someone who's not got a career yet, and they're like, "Well, come over, we'll pay for your flights and hotel," and all of a sudden I've got a career. They're sort of, "Oh yeah, I'll do that." Yeah, and I think I think as well that yeah, there's that sort of you know association people go after. But I think Chris, you're right. Where I think. The problem is now people ask for the money. I don't know if manufacturers are paying. I really, I really don't. All of the commercial stuff that I do is from brands associated or attributed to the automotive world. And I, I can come back to that in a second. But I remember going on the Cullinan launch. And I know you were particularly um, true by went the on, influencer Cullinan launch I went on attendance that. that is one of the ratio. most extraordinary things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> in all fairness, I would have gone with the location they shot it in. Well, but. I mean, it's leaving dinner, right? Because I think actually hilariously, and Chris, I don't punch me but I think we were as influencers on the rotation before you which I, oh, well, uh, I, 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 I was, was shocked but I, I obviously was mortified yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realise at the time no no I mean, but, I mean at that point you know there's question marks over the whole world but anyway I snuck away from dinner because I just wanted an early night and ended up by accident I think in the Phantom with a head of communications I can't remember his name yeah, lovely yeah. chap and we're in there and we're talking and we're having a relatively similar conversation and he said you know how'd you find it he goes you know I had so many emails from people asking for money to attend this launch. And I went, oh, who? Just double checking my emails because I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, I and he deleted that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and, and I was very, you know, at that point passionate about the fact that, that that is quite ridiculous because that event compared to most was crazy. We were in an Amman hotel overlooking this incredible valley. You could have massages. There was food everywhere you went on this incredible none of which would influence your opinion of the Rolls Royce absolutely Cullinan. not no one would not, ever say not yours Chris <laughs> look, I think uh, look I think um, I think this 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 uh, launch world it's very easy for people of my generation and older to get crusty a bit embittered and, and get flecks of spit in their beards about it but let's face it 
this has always been a bit the wrong way around. You know, you've always been, for 40 years, car manufacturers have been inviting journalists to go and drive cars, putting them up in nice hotels, flying them at the front of the plane, giving them foie gras, and then saying, make up your own mind about the car. <laughs> and do you know what? There's a lot of people who have been influenced by that. So maybe the word influencer has been going on a long time. They have been influenced by the way they were treated by car brands. And, and, you know, the great George Bishop, who was a columnist in Car Magazine in the 70s and 80s, had a column called Carte Blanche, which was basically satirising this whole world. The idea was he'd go on car launches and just write about how good the food and the wine was. <laughs> and at the very end, you should read them, they're wonderful. Oh my and God, at the I very know. end, he'd go, and, and I drove the GLX, <laughs> but, I, but I'd had so much Chateau Lafitte, I can't remember what it was like to drive. <laughs> oh, that's sat, brilliant. So, so, you know, what, it's a bit pious to think that we haven't been through this process before. We have. But my, my problem is that there, was, there were always, within, that, within the, the liggers and the freeloaders that have always existed in any industry... There were some very honest voices. There were some people, you know, there were the Clarksons that, and the and the Steve Cropleys and the Gavin Greens and the, the people that I read as a kid who basically saw through the bullshit and could, with a straight face, say, do you know what, I don't mind sitting on the plane because when I get there, if it's crap, I'm going to say it's crap. And that was my, that's, that's my background. And I think that, I feel that what's happened is it's just become a ligathon. You know, you turn up on the, on the Cullinan launch, you get to ride a pony, you get to drive around Wyoming and it's just expected before you know, it's, a, it's almost an unspoken contract that you're going to say the thing's wonderful. And I went on that event and I just thought, A, this is the most execrable vehicle I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I don't understand it. I think it's a bit shonky. Okay, it drives well, but the whole thing just stinks. And also this whole, it was almost a metaphor for everything that's gone wrong with my industry. This, you know, come on a jolly, and of course you're going to say it's great. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to say it's bloody tasteless. Well, well done for doing so. No, but, no, but, uh, but, yeah. I, but I think what I'm saying is, I, 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 I object to what's to to, where, to the way the industry has responded. I think, I think I want to make it clear that I don't blame the influencer community completely. I do in some respects. So I think some of the stuff they do is is pretty difficult to swallow. But the car manufacturers have bought it have bought upon themselves. They and and it's understandable, isn't it? If if you could say, let's bring the same old journalists we've been dealing with for 30, 20, 30 years, the same outlets with massively reducing audiences because they've not engaged with new media and they and they might say it's shit or a lot of people that have got growing audiences they're going to say it's great where are you going to go are you going to invite the ones that are going to say it's good that's exactly I, I don't think you can blame the manufacturers but I and and I am the few here and I am uh, naturally a little bit pessimistic and and look at the influencer world with a bit of grimness so I don't speak for the masses, but I really don't think we should have ever been invited on press launches. You know, I mean, of course, manufacturers are going to do it to get mass coverage, but it's just so the wrong place. If I'm really like a sort of, you know, up on the top of my pyramid looking down, I would call myself more of a content creator or a YouTuber or an Instagram or whatever. I cannot create what I want to create on a press launch. I can't bear it. I, I never claimed to be. I never wanted to be. I'm not an expert. I'm passionate about cars. I'm not an expert. I never trained to be a journalist. I didn't want to be a journalist. All I wanted to do was hang out with cars and show people what I was up to. Putting me on a press launch gives me anxiety because I can't, I don't know how to summarize a car in 15 minutes. I don't have the ability to do it. Nor do I, do. I've it. been doing it a long time. I can't do okay. it. Okay. But, but I, I know what you mean, but, but we're in one of those weird transitional periods where these industry, this industry and, and those departments are configured 
to hold events a certain way. And so what we're finding now, of course, is that all the influencers get taken and it's a scrabble to see who can put the same Instagram video up in the same location with the same colour bloody car before the other man. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, who's it, bought it. But do you know what? That's again life repeating itself because <laughs> mm. 20 years ago the equivalent of that was Autocar and Auto Express fighting to see who could get the spy shot of the new Mini and get it on their cover first. So th- the media does repeat itself. I think um, I can see why the world's gone that way. My, my, my great sadness is the loss of advocacy because the, it looks to me like the repeat invites that go to, to influencers go because they're nice. I want to know how many of them would get invited back on the new Phantom launch if they said the Cullinan was shit. Because I'm pretty sure I won't be invited on the next Rolls Royce launch. And I, and I weirdly wear that as a badge of honour. Um, but I think at the moment it, it's an easy win for the manufacturers because you know that you know Joe Bloggs, who's got 100,000 subscribers, isn't going to say the new Mercedes A35 is a bit daggy, which it isn't, by the way, um, because because they're not going to get invited on the next one. So we're in this weird vortex of everything being brilliant. It's like that Fastro sketch. Remember that, that bloke that used to walk around on the moors going, yeah, I saw this, it was just brilliant, it was amazing, and then I did this and it was amazing. Like, come on, guys, something's got to be crap, because it is. And recently, yeah. on one of, one of your pal's videos, someone sent me a link saying that I had McLaren, my head up, I was, I was, get, I was like noshing off McLaren or something. I mean, how can I be accused of that? I've gone to town on these buggers about the Senna. I think it's terrible. But I think the 600 LT is a... <laughs> Edward's Ed- grimacing, Ed- Ed- yeah. Sold the Senna, yeah, Edward. Um, but I, I really don't do that. And yeah. I think, I think weirdly, it's it's the influencer community that's, that's constantly saying, oh, it's great. Or, and this is my next subject I want to ask you about, should I buy a... Mm. <laughs> the, the great... The great the great unanswered question. So how do you deal? How do you deal with it? Shall we have a short break? Not just yet. Let's get this one out of the way. He's foaming. He's foaming. Foaming at the mouth because it's still raining, and I want to have. No. Um, but yeah. So, well, so, how, me... so what's happened is, like anything, it's, it's fascinating to observe the way the world's happened because in the media, what happens normally is if something works, everyone joins in, and then you end up with quite a na- what was a broad field of content narrows because that's perceived as being the thing that works. And then you have almost template journalism. So now, the current template is a mate. I don't follow it that closely, but when I do go on, we've gone from a broad spectrum to it's either I've got it first, or should I buy a, or it's I've bought I'm I'm going to buy another one of these. Therefore, I've got an expanded car collection, um, and it, and that's almost where it's at now it's it's bizarre for sure and i'll try and defend uh at least the uk automotive youtubers as a group because it's easy for me to sit here and try and distance myself from them but i don't want to because firstly everyone's got their own business some of them are better at doing it than others but the the blame i think lies in that this formula that was created which unfortunately still works yeah they get the numbers don't they that's this year i'm actively trying to step away from everything i've done previously but also the little uk why because you want to move on or a sense of shame uh both well creatively i'm stumped and it's oversaturated. As you say, I couldn't do another year of, I bought her, I wrapped her, I'm off to Monaco with her. You know, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I just, it's been done and all that would happen is someone would upload the video a day Oh, I think you, you should do another, go, we go to Monaco thing. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. But this is the thing. It gets views. I know, That's and I can problem. laugh because it's just the same as me going, I've gone sideways again in a supercar yeah. that we all have. 
our own sort of personal memes yeah. that, that become ironic without us realising it. And I know that. I'm open to the same accusations. And the Just thing so I is... I happen to think that Sideways side Supercar is more interesting than driving to cocking Monaco. <laughs> but, but, but I might be in the minority there. Maybe the views prove that I am. Well, the th- that's the thing is, and maybe I'm a biz- bad businessman because the people you know, who are growing quicker and getting great views are still doing so what I'm trying to separate myself this, from. So talk me through this weird narcissism of just of having, to buy, of having to buy ever more cars to maintain your audience's interest. Where does Because if I extrapolate that out, where does that end? You just end up being a car dealer. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, again, Shmi's the one that you should have here instead of me because I think he has... No, I want your observations on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think... I think... I mean, it's ridiculous if you ask me in, in that extent. If I had the money, would I be doing it? Potentially. Because why not? I've dreamed of owning cars my whole life. And if I was but in a position... What do you do with 20 new cars? I don't know. I mean, I can barely... Ha- I have two at the moment. I have three. I have three. I can't even remember how many cars I got. And, you know, I live in a 99 Volvo V70. I have a Ferrari in stories that I never see. And I'm driving the world in a Porsche. It's already too many. Um, and I've been very fortunate to be offered a couple of juicy bits this year. And I've, ha- I've just had to say no because I don't need it. Mm. Um, but there is a business out there in buying and selling cars for YouTube. Because the spike you get from it I think it's that living life vicariously because put me five years ago sitting in front of a desk all day if Shmi or if anyone uploaded a video saying I just bought a new Vantage or I bought a thing I'd be like wow but, don't, yeah, but, like? but the spike is the fact they're saying I'm buying it not I've got one of these to use uh, yeah, I, I sort of I care less about the I might buy or I've ordered. For for me as a viewer, I want to see the collection process, the first drive, things. But, have hold, gone but wrong. hold on, I, I get that. Yeah. But aren't we? A haven't we? Haven't we reached the stage where the specialness of that process has now been sullied? Because frankly, if you go, and, there's so many people picking up a new supercar every day on YouTube. The process isn't special anymore. In fact, I have to say it's influenced me and made me think I might just step away from that world a bit because. It's happening every single day. And I think the car manufacturers need to be very careful because if you are an honest punter that spent five years saving up for your first Ferrari, it's not going to feel quite special now because every every Tom, Dick and Harry is buying one every other day and videoing it. So there's that side. Um, but also, is it how does how does it how do you keep growing? Because it, it seems to me that the it's a nil-sum game. You just you just get into the point where you have to keep buying more cars. Well, that's it. I think, and that's the trap you see some people falling into. And across the world, this is now not just the UK YouTubers. It, it, it's that they're falling into the trap. Once you start that, I'm buying, I'm selling. Are they? It's like catnip. You, yeah, you have to keep going. Imagine if our old friend uh, MC was uh, yeah. an influencer. He yeah. would he would be a billionaire well, by yeah, now. Yeah, but, but, the, but the thing. <laughs> it, but I, but also I worry about. I know you say it's a business, but let's let's face some facts here. We're about to enter into a few years of financial uncertainty, mm-hmm. and I I fail to see how some of how some of these cars are not going to end up being a lurking subprime because you know I don't know how people buy these things, but you know it's it's fanciful to think that everyone's buying them with cash. And if you're if you're if you're on the drip, as I know, because I've got plenty of bits and bobs on the drip, <laughs> you can get the wrong way around very quickly. And it doesn't matter whether your YouTube channel's doing all right. If you're if you lose a hundred thousand pounds on one of your cars in three four weeks because the world goes a bit wrong, that's a tricky situation. So I hope everyone's all right because I, I worry that people can get themselves in a bit of a pickle. I, I worry for sure, and I think finance made it too easy for people, and we did a bad job of 
selling finance to the masses because suddenly we were these kind of kids out of nowhere buying these incredible cars. How are you doing it? Oh, finance. And people didn't understand what they were necessarily buying into or that you only should sign a finance deal if you can afford the but I whole think, car. I th- okay, I think, I think yes, that's a good point to make and you're very, it's good of you to say that. I think that group does bear a bit of a moral responsibility, but I've done it as well. I've, sure. In my own way, I've encouraged people to go out and buy cars they probably couldn't afford. I didn't realise I was doing that and I apologised for it at the time. However... The number of young lads and ladies you see driving around in a new M4 yeah. on the tick, that you, it turns out you look at them and you think, oh, they're doing well. They still live with mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> How's that work? So basically, a lot, a lot of this is underwritten by really kind parents who let them live at home so they can spend what would go on rent or a mortgage throwing money at finance. And I think this is a social media issue in general with the world because nowadays we're always competing to be better versions of ourselves to try and live up with the damned Bazarians or whoever it might be. And even people watching you on Top Gear or whatever it might be or Ed with the cars that you're trading they might think, oh, he owns this or he has that. People want more. I met a young kid the other day who's driving around in a... I couldn't even tell you what. Something completely ordinary and standard. And he goes, oh, I'm thinking about buying a 4C. And I went, Why? It's oh you know I, just, I want a cool car and they're like thirty five grand and I could get the finance so I was like what this stop yeah. you do not need a four C it will ruin your life and it's going to cost you a ton of money for for what so you can post on Instagram that you got a four C like yeah, my, my my view is let them go into it eyes open tell them it'll be a disaster but say to them give it a go because it might be something you can do something with um, but I but I I think the bet noir for me is the should I buy it? Because the answer to that question has to be, I don't care. Yeah, okay. And I, well, I don't, so either buy it or don't buy it and by all means make a video about it. But why are you asking me? So, <laughs> so I'll tell you what, so today I've literally just put a video live now with the Project A and I was going back and forth in titles. You and didn't, I, I, you didn't. No, but I'm very if bad. You, if you did, you would, there's a large window. No, he, he changed it just as he came upstairs, just changed, I think. But I, it's, ne- it's nearly as bad because I'm bad at titles and thumbnails. So I just put, I got a Project 8. Now that is click. And, and do you know, it is. And do you know what? Certainly in the old days at Autocar, if you'd been working with Andrew Frankel, get was considered to be the laziest verb of all. So if I if I'd put get or got, Andrew would red pen it, circle it and go, find other verb. It's, almost, it's bad writing <laughs> in every sense. Yeah. But the problem with the... The world is that sitting there, if I put, you know, Jaguar, lend me, Project 8, people go... So technically also, it's incorrect, because you haven't got it. I, well, I've got it for a week. Oh, Jesus, we're deep diving <laughs> semantics here. No, no, <laughs> right, okay. I, I agree, and, yeah. and, and it doesn't sit well with me, but this year, everything I've been doing, I have learned that unfortunately, as much as I can try and distance myself, as much as I can try and do something else, the audience still want what works. And what works is clickbait on YouTube, like really brutal, aggressive clickbait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, buying and selling cars and doing doing stupid oh, stuff, going I, to McDonald's. But before we before we just take a break, um, I think the numbers are I think the numbers are tailing off a bit for Agreed. it. Agreed. I think I think that community needs to think about what the next thing is quite quickly, which is what you're doing. We'll talk about that after the break. Um, but no, it's fascinating to hear it from your perspective. I mean, I, I a lot of people. You know, think that I'm a, I sort of mutter about this under my breath. I don't. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm far too busy trying to mess my own life up, frankly. <laughs> um, and I'm and actually, I have a real curiosity for that world because I can't do it, and I have a respect for it. I think I think the content marketplace is a meritocracy. It's the one thing you can say about it. I think there's there's an, there's another side to it I'd like to touch on when we come back after the break. But I do think that if you make content and people watch it, then there's something in that because you're you, you're not paying to drive that traffic to your YouTube channel. You can buy 
followers on Instagram. That's a right old bloody no, snake pit. That is. I didn't realise how bad that was. Mm. But you can't buy them on Twitter. Well, you could, but not not so easy no. now. But but the the YouTube area is a is a free playing field. And if you do something, and it gets views, then frankly, you're standing on your own two feet. And it and you any number of people can say that's shit. It's shit content. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. If people are watching it, it's still content. You know, I don't. I think Love Island's a bit, a bit whiffy. Oh, don't. But, don't but, but, but it just that's what happens. It's not for me. Yeah. But more, loads of people watch it, so it's a successful format. And I think I apply that to the influencer area. There are some, there are some people in that area that don't do very big numbers and still there. And I don't really understand how that works. Maybe you can enlighten me on that afterwards. Yeah. Well, well uh, to leave it on a cliffhanger before the break, I will say you can actually buy views still on YouTube. Can you? But you can't buy engagement. But we'll save that for, for <laughs> after the Okay. Uh, well, look, so, so we'll, um, so, so that's uh, at uh, Seen Through Glass, at Edward Lovett um, and, uh, and at Harris Monkey. We're going to go and have a comfort break and I'm going to try and understand how Sam has persuaded me that he's got a Project 8. Collecting cars, the safe, smart and simple way to buy and sell collectible cars. An online auction platform for the UK and Europe. Follow us on Instagram at CollectingCars and also CollectingCars.com. The CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Welcome back to part two of the Collecting Cars podcast here with Edward Lovett, still at Edward Lovett. Um, and uh, Sam from Seen Through Glass at Seen Through Glass on every single platform imaginable, including <laughs> YouTube. So let's let's just um, uh, digress from the from the specifics of YouTube and how it works and, and how people make videos and what is clickbait and what's not. Your your project, this this frankly enormous project you've undertaken, basically to drive around the world in a nine eleven. Yeah, a bit off more than I could chew there. <laughs> it was a very romantic idea to begin with. And actually, the idea was born through a mutual friend of ours, Philip Kay, uh, during Monterey Car Week about two years ago. And we were driving on one of those, you know, rallies that, that happens during that week. And we looked at us and we said, how cool would it be just to go around the world in a cool car, just attending all these different kinds of events and, and having a great time? And, and they ticked something in my head. And at that point, I was already feeling a little bit uh, stifled by uh, yeah by the sort of YouTube in general and the UK car scene so I was looking for something different uh, I realized that it's quite hard to plan around the world trip in two months so I delayed it for a year convinced my girlfriend to give up her life and come with me and started started plotting and planning so yeah it's it's not quite as dramatic as driving a 911 across the world because I'm too white middle class and I think I would have got beaten up in somewhere dodgy so the the 911 did Australia it's done Europe uh, it's it's getting some TLC at the moment. It's about to go to America. Is it all in one piece? Still, is it is it it's proof reliable? Unbelievable. Tank. I mean, I could not tell. Like, we keep talking about it. There's not a better car to have done it in. Yeah. For what I do, it works perfectly on like Instagram and YouTube thumbnails. It's you know looks kind of wacky. Like wow, he's doing it in a 911. Couldn't be more comfortable. Couldn't be more reliable. Super practical. It's got no rear seats, so we can fit so much in it. Yeah. Quick when we need it to be quick. Okay, fine. It's the dodgy turbo engine, but I actually like it. It's yeah. great for fuel economy. We've got a roof box on there as well, which is practical and also styling-wise. It just works. And I went, I mean, I would have ruined everyone's life with my back and forth on what to take. RS4, Bentley Continental. I mean, just so many different decisions. And finally sending on the 911, I'm, I'm so pleased because it's been so So it's, it's interesting on many levels for this for me because I come back to the content. One of the other problems with, I think, the influencer scene is that they've, they've 
inadvertently sided themselves into basically new exotica because that's what's available on finance and that's what you get invited on for launches and one of the great editorial issues of all time has always been taking the line of least resistance so if you're sitting there and this has been the same for car magazines forever and and latterly now videos if you're sitting there planning to go and do something expansive and interesting and you look how much it costs and how long it takes to organize it and just as you're about to commit to it and a bit worried about whether you can do it someone phones you and says do you want to come on the whatever launch you go oh, i'll do that because yeah. i could get just as many views for half the kick but you've gone out there and done something different which is admirable and but has it worked in terms of engagement because the fact the fact is you probably could have grown your channel faster if you just applied the same old trade couldn't you for sure i definitely would be getting more views probably more subscribers if i just yeah stuck at it because i think if you look there are other people in the scene doing a better job in terms of of views at least but um the few things that i'll say is firstly uh creatively i'm far more um uh incentivized uh i think it's added I feel more proud of the content I'm creating. That's that's one thing. I think before, if somebody, if I met a friend who's not in YouTube, said, oh, let me watch one of your videos. I was always like, oh, no, I, don't, I don't think you should want to. Whilst now I would point to any of the videos I've made this year and say, yeah, look, check it out. See what you think. It's a bit carry, but you know. And so I'm pleased with that. And it's opened the door to a lot of opportunities, which I think wouldn't have been there if I hadn't repositioned myself. But um, yeah, I, I still make mistakes of, you know, anything you chase the views, you chase the engagement. And so, you know, when somebody comes along and offers you a 1936 Alpha something, something, I still have to go, well, have you got a Lamborghini Huracan there as well? Because <laughs> unfortunately the Alpha is just not going to get the clicks or views. Yeah. Sometimes I don't care. And I think, screw it. I just want to make this video because I want to make it. Sometimes it works out, but the majority of the time you've got to think with a business head on and you've got to make these slightly grim decisions because somebody told me recently, uh, uh, another guy on Instagram, uh, McDonald's sell to the masses. It doesn't have to taste great. You know, uh, we all sit there. We all know McDonald's is made of crap and stuff like that, but they sell millions. Yeah, we had a great conversation over a few beers not long ago about, you know, what if, if you had to just make the clickbait video, would it be, it would be a kind of a drag race with someone from Love Island topless in the back. <laughs> You're so and, right. And, um, and it would have a, you know, a Lamborghini and a fettuccine. And, a and something they just bought. Yeah. I, I just uh, bought my LaFerrari and I raced I, it should, again. Should I, should I buy a whatever and drag race it with, with someone in the buff in the back? You figured it out right away. You should but, buy my but, but again, these, these formats. I think the other thing I want to say about YouTube, because I've had this accusation laid at me. You know, I had a, I had a, I've had a privileged start in life. I, you know, I, I, had a, I went to a nice school and you know, I was, I, I, I'm very lucky, but it does seem that the one thing that binds all YouTubers in the car scene together is that they probably started out with more resources than, than the ordinary man in the street. And I think people, I think everyone will struggle to shrug that, shrug that one off. And I, I just wish more people in that space put their hands up and went, I had a good start in life because it seems there's a whole load of, yeah, I did this on my own and I, you know, I built this. Oh, come on. Just, 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 I have to fess up in interviews for the BBC. People say, where did you go to school? And I have to, you know, I say, well, I went to a boarding school. Sure. I'm very lucky. But it seems that there's a whole load of, you know, you can do this on your own if you just get a YouTube channel. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, and again, speaking from my own personal experience, I'm the same. I had a very, very nice upbringing, went to boarding school, had a lot of support from my parents. I think if I ever asked my dad to buy me a car, he'd, punch me in the face and tell me what's what but uh, I have that confidence that if everything goes tits up I've got a very nice home to run back to yeah. and I will fly the flag for somebody else Supercars of London Paul Wallace is the one genuine guy who really didn't come from any yeah, background yeah, of anything that's fair enough, yeah. and you know he built it as an empire from university and has been rocking it by himself I think it's 
easy to see with all the others that there's that support, whether it's financial support, emotional support, or physical support. Because as I say, whilst I would love my dad to handle my finance payments, he doesn't. But I know if I make a really bad decision, I'm not going to be living on the street. I'm going to be living in a very nice house with my parents, which is a very nice life to live. So that is support in itself. I don't think anyone should feel guilty about that. I suppose it's the lack of transparency at times. 100%. Because you're selling a dream to young people and and frankly, it's not attainable unless you get a big leg up in life, um, that, and that's that's like the he-man moral message at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, children. So um, uh, let, let's let's just shift away from that for a minute. Um, in the news yesterday, this awful uh, incident at a car meeting where a couple of cars have collided and gone into a crowd. As we record this, we don't know whether there's been a fatality. So out of respect for for those that have been affected, first of all, I want to say commiserations and just so sorry for 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 the hurt and pain that you must be going through but it's it's a subject i think we need to discuss because when it when i read the news I, I, my immediate reaction was it it was just going to happen you know the, these things are by their very nature unregulated and and some people just get just grow horns at the wrong time and you know speed doesn't kill but the inappropriate use of it does and this is just bad news for all of us because w- we're all part of a broader community and we have responsibility within that community. And I know that I can't be holy of them now because there's images of me when I was younger going sideways and stuff. But I, I have to distance myself from this. And I, I just cannot, I can't believe this This has happened. I well, I can, the, but the, I can't. Yeah. This was a cars and coffee sort of car, a car meet. But it was a car meet it and, was. It was, and it was for a charity. You know, it was it was a static event. And it was people leaving the event. Yeah, what, what, it was. What we so, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. But we've had a lot of this recently. You know, race we've had a lot yeah. of this recently where people, you know, and and uh, a caffeine in machine. Yeah, you know, they have a sign, don't they, that says mm-hmm. "Don't be a don't dick be dead. when you leave," which yeah. is absolutely right because a lot of people can't drive these things very well, and six hundred horsepower when you give it a bootful can surprise you. And if you want to show off and do the eighty-yard power slide, you've got to be qualified to do it. Crikey, I do it on a daily basis. I'm not sure I'd want to do it in front of a crowd of people because mm. I'd be unsure of getting it wrong. Well, I, and I think you know the one thing that shocks me is is Sloan Street culture, and I have no idea if the. I mean, Ed, maybe you've experienced this a bit being more London-based recently. Is that the the way that Sloan Street has evolved over the last five years is mad. And I myself and a lot of us on social media are to blame for this. Uh, and I put my hands up because we had no idea what we were creating. But, you know, I've grown up uh, in London, grew up in this, in that area. Sloan Street was a nothing street. It was a, a cut through to Knightsbridge or Mayfair or whatever. And suddenly, you know, it started to sort of be a place where you could see nice cars. So myself, Shmi 150, Alex Penfold, all these different people would click that that's where you could see nice cars and you'd hang out. And as I say, I would make videos where people would drive past in a F12 slowly or quietly and I'd go, ah, oh, boring, because I wanted to hear revs or something like that. And I was naive and I didn't know what I was doing. And people were watching this and going, oh, I might go to Sloan Street next weekend. It looks really cool. And it got to a point where now in the summer... It's like going to Goodwood Festival of Speed. There are hundreds and hundreds, and it's not kids, it's, it's people, you know, boys, girls, dads, uncles, aunts, uh, lining the streets with cameras and, and, and phones and stuff. And if you're driving down that street and you're inexperienced or you're young, the temptation to floor it with all those cameras, it's really hard to ignore. Everyone's like, rev it, rev it. And you're on some amazing car, which you want to show off anyway, because why else are you driving on Sloan Street? Um, is hard. And so that, I think, is an accident waiting to happen. I think these kind of weird, unfortunate incidents that happen at car meets or late at night, they've happened forever. 
if you look at what was that Koenigsegg, that awful Koenigsegg crash at a big car meet, I can't remember where, uh, quite a few years ago now. You said they've happened forever, but it, this 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 idea of almost the impromptu car meet that just evolves on a road is is quite a recent phenomenon. And it's a bit like the rave culture of the 90s where, you know, word would get round, it's that field, you'd go out there and do your thing. But the problem is that there are inherent dangers here and it's oil and water. You've got two things that don't mix. You've got civilians walking around in an urban area and people attempting to demonstrate very high-performance cars. Now, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work out those two things just shouldn't be in the same place. No, uh, it, you say it's happened forever. It, it probably has happened in some form. But w- what is different now is when um, when someone's pulling out of caffeine and machine, that there's a hundred people stood there with a mobile phone That's filming exactly, it, yeah. it's sort of egging on. Yeah, exactly. And you sort of leave, no, I, and I'm going to be sensible now, and you can't help your, you know, yeah. so these guys can't help themselves, uh, you know. And, and I've had made mistakes in my, <laughs> my life. But, uh, but I, I could count them on uh, about ten people's hands. Um, but but yeah. no, we la- we laugh. But it's now getting serious. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, you know, and I, I know, and I, you know, and I, I made an arch comment on Twitter not long ago about this, and I, and I, you know, <laughs> and your, your pal, yeah, uh, yeah, Yanni, with, with who, uh, who, who caught, you know, wasn't happy with me. But I stand by what I said. I just don't think. I think there's a place to go fast, and I love speed. You know, it's, I've, I've made a living out of it, and I, and I'm, you know, it's my addiction. I love fast cars, but I just don't think a town is the right place to be doing it. Well, to touch on that specific instance, so this was a Hurricane Performante leaving a car show, attempting a launch control. He lost control and ploughed into a lamppost or Which a tree. Which is by the grace of God that there wasn't someone by that tree. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned that a few social media people leapt to his defence, which I think was wrong, and I would tell them they're wrong. They're all good friends of mine, but, but I would tell them they're wrong. But I think he would never have done that launch control if people weren't filming it. Because why would you? Who leaves a car park and goes, oh, I'll just do a launch control and traffic? Well, exactly, but, but, that, but you can't offset the blame on the person, no, on the people uh, with absolutely. the camera. No, but I think I, myself, and others have created this culture of let's show off, let's, I want to have a viral video, I want my car to get loads of views and hits, and, and we ourselves are blame, to blame for that in some part, I don't think we knew the beast that we were creating. Okay, well, and that's and that's fair enough and good of you to say it. Would, would I, he? Um, I had a question with that performante. Would he? His insurance company pay out? There was a big question. I don't know. I don't know what happened because it did go viral. It was on the mail driving online without and everything. due care and attention. Well, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't wish mm, any yeah. on the individual. And I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he feels sore about the whole incident. Oh but, yeah, and but, he's ridden off his. Well, he's not ridden off his car. Uh, but but, his car. but I, I, I think we've got to be very careful about how you know about what we encourage people to do and the way that we're persuading them to interact with their cars, it's, mm. it's gone a bit wrong. And yeah. I think this incident is gonna, it's going to create a change. It's gonna shake I, it up I, a I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it causes some emergency legislation, you know, if they ban meetings of cars, it, 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 public meetings of cars, mm. because ultimately something that weighs one and a half tons traveling at 60 miles an hour is more dangerous than a gun for sure and you you got you got you know you have a responsibility when you when you own one to to not do that so i just i'm i'm so sad that it's happened Mm. because it will affect the the wider community well you know you can't just you can't create legislation that just targets the one bit that you think is wrong it will have to be something more blanket that will affect us of course and then you know obviously anyone that's been affected in any way uh, you know it's awful and it's horrific but the guy responsible in certain elements if he lost control or whatever the circumstances 
you know, has now got that guilt on his conscience as well for what, whether he's got, uh, you know, any injuries himself or has caused injuries from trying to simply show off or trying to simply entertain, you know, for the wrong reasons has, has ended up in a, you know, in a, in well, a horrible I, position. Let's hope that, um, that it, that it sorts itself out. So, um, where, where where do you want to go with all this? What what's your home? Yeah, no, <laughs> so, so, sleep. Yeah, so where, where you you've got the the round the world thing mm. ticking along nicely, mm-hmm. um, and where are you off to next with that? Uh, so America is really the next big behemoth. So the yeah. car flies unbelievably flies thanks to car shipping. There's my plug for them uh, uh, at the end of this month, and then we're four months zigzagging across America, west to east coast. How many miles has it done now? It's done 19,000, which is less than I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily bought it with only about 500 miles on the clock. But um, I thought we were going to be at like 25 by now. So I think by the end of the year, we'll be under 50, which I'll be very happy with, um, all dependent on whether we get it to the Middle East or not. So, And, and do you share there. your American trip before you go so people yes. know where Yes, so the route has been unveiled on Sam my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the route has been unveiled. It is subject to change because it's just too terrifying trying to plan where do you and... Where do you stand on the cult of personality with this? Because because of the way that YouTube works and people don't want to go by their their given Christian name or surname, they, you create a name. You know, you're seen through glass and there's a bit of London and there's a Shmi and there's a, there's lots of others. But it it can come across, it's a bit Mugabe-like, you know? <laughs> Wherever you go, in, whenever you used to go, go around Zimbabwe, there was always a picture of, of Big Rob and yeah. everything had his name on it. Uh-huh. And, and everyone's now, when I think you have to question your existence when you're walking around with a fleece with your own name on it. <laughs> It's a slightly odd hey, thing to do. Hey, I, I only ever wear a cap with STG on it. My own branding, my own cap, which isn't even for sale anywhere. <laughs> just to remind people, hey, you can... Is it just in case you forget your own name? Probably. It doesn't even say seen through glass. It just says STG, so it's a really bad design. But um, Which is a bit close to STD, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I think you could say so. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's So that whole recognisability, I mean, yes, you could call it a new age of fame, is so bizarre. I... I think it's great to meet people. It never shock, never fails to shock me. You know, we drove four days across the desert in southwest Australia, pull into some godforsaken red dirt town, and a guy's following us the whole way, and he jumps out and he goes, seen through glass! And I'm like, no, it's just not possible. And that continues to blow my mind that people even want to say hi. Great yeah. that they want to watch the videos. Why do you want to come and like, yeah. take a picture with me? All of that is weird. But that's just the way the world is, isn't it? It's because you're a handsome beast. Well, you know, you know, I'm getting a hair transplant <laughs> next you, week. Because <laughs> you're, you're a well-spoken individual. Do you think that limits your appeal or do you think it helps? I think originally there was a lot of, yeah, posh boy, posh boy, posh boy. I think, I think a few of the others had broken down some of those walls already. As you touched on, there's kind of this general consensus that we all come from a a nice upbringing um i actually think it helps me abroad yeah. so i think i think uh, luckily being well spoken uh yeah mass increases my appeal in other countries because i think people find me relatively easy to understand even though i mumble a lot of the time um but yeah i mean who knows and who knows where it goes i think the big twist we're going to see the big change is i think credibility has to come back to to social media i think at the minute that that's what's going out the door uh, every day is credibility. I think. And so, so do you think that we're going to move back to the point where advocacy matters, where 
Yeah, people have to trust what you do. 100%, because aren't we all sick of people selling teeth whitening kits and, you know, slimming juices? Don't know, mate, my pegs are pretty yellow. Yeah. <laughs> can you well, point me in that direction? Maybe I'm following also, the right Also, the old hair loss account. thing, all three of us definitely yeah, can do with yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I can tell you a few accounts to follow that, for that. That's going to yeah. be our next sponsor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, I'll be, I'll be back for that episode. Um, but yeah, so I think it has to be because, because now there's too much. You just don't believe in what you're following or watching. You enjoy it. And you know, it's opinion form. It's like, that's why I don't like the word influencer. I was at an event recently with BMW and Jody Kidd was there and we were stood next to each other and the speaker goes, don't worry, you'll have plenty of time to capture stuff for your social medias. Mm. And she looked at me and she goes, what does that even mean? And I said, I don't know because we're, we're, she's the only person here with actual yeah. influence, you know? Uh, I think we are. We have opinions. People enjoy watching us and sharing some of those opinions. Um, but, but do we have real influence? I don't think so yeah. because... Chris, if you say an F12 is good, people are going to say it's good. If I say an F12 is good, they're going to say Sam likes the F12. Well, it's, I, I, yeah, I slightly disagree with that. I, I've always felt that, I, I have to resort to the word influence. I can vaguely influence an opinion, but most people have already made up their mind. So in my experience, people have made up their mind the car they want. Mm. And I might, what I say might just affirm what they think. But if they've already made up their mind they're going to buy it, and I say it's crap, they'll probably just go, well, Monkey's got this one wrong. Well, I, want, I wanted it anyway. I'm not, I'm not sure I totally agree with that. However, unfortunately, that a lot of the cars that you review today, going back to your word, unattainium. <laughs> sorry. Um, but if you want to buy an 911R and you say it's a great car, you can't go and buy one. You can't yeah, buy a used one yeah. now, but you can't, you know, a lot of these new cars, you, you can't go and order. Which is why I think that I bought her, I'm living with still works, because I think there is that element of... Yeah, but you're not, but so much of it, they're not living with it. All you do is you get to learn what it's like to see someone collect it from a showroom <laughs> or work out what spec it's going to have. Well, I couldn't give a monkey's whether you're going to have, you know, whales foreskin leather on the seat. God, that'd be a great option. It just makes it? no bloody difference but, to me. Look, it, but actually, if you, t you know, what, if you told me, this is why the Americans tend to be better at this stuff because they actually go and use the cars. Yeah. Whereas, now, I want to know whether... You know, if you if I you know if I was going to do track days and I, and and a bit of and but mostly road driving, would it could you save money and not buy a nine eleven touring and have a nine eleven T like you've got? You're you're much closer to answering that question because you're sure. doing miles on it. But most of the people that are buying the cars, they're not actually telling me what it's like about the car to live with. It just gets driven around bloody central London. I think I think that's changed. I mean, Schmee's has taken his four GT off to America to do trips and yeah, he's, no, he's the, done that, that, the that's setup. becoming more expensive I think, and obviously more expensive and and also sort of unattainable. No, more expansive, not expensive. So, so we are beginning so, to learn what it's like to live yes. with the cars. But for a while, a lot of the, a lot of the content was just was you know based around the moment of transaction Agreed. or the moment of collection. For sure. Um, so, but I think the other the other aspect that's that I'm I'm cyclical with my with my car enthusiasm. Sometimes I like new cars, but I tend to then go off those and I start to much I enjoy old cars. And I think there's a whole world of fascinating content that the influence communities has to avoid mm -hmm. because you can't buy it on the never never and because you don't get to be seen in a hypercar the whole time so you know I would far rather read someone's journey into buying an E90 M3 that's done 50,000 miles and has got slightly worn piston rings I want to know about that but I don't because no you know so few people are doing it because it's you don't get the clickbait you don't get the numbers and the numbers won't stack up so we're just stuck with I've bought another brand new warranted car on the manufacturer of 
scheme. You probably well, don't want to be stuck in the Australian desert with that. No, uh, that, I mean, that so, well, this is the funny thing. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I bought this 99 Volvo in the summer and this was, it was a 900 pound car and I made three videos with it on the trot, all got in crazy engagement. I was like, this is amazing. This is my whole new channel. I'm going to reinvent myself. And then when I announced Drive the World, everyone said, take the Volvo. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Damn. Damn. So there's, she there's got written off this morning. Yeah, yeah, there's literally limitations to it. But, but yeah, I think... Um, Okay, another bone I have to pick with you on that because I agree. There's another. There's a whole area that's untouched by by YouTube, even from like '60s to like mid '90s. I think it's just untouched. And you recently said that why would anyone buy a Challenge Dali over a 430 Scuderia? But Challenge Dali is my all-time dream car, and I will defend it until uh, I'm falling off a. Cliff. I went. I went <laughs> until on, you own yeah, one. Until <laughs> I own one. I'm, so, I'm so old. I went on the launch of that. Oh my god, that would have been my dream. Do you know what? I've still got. The, the, the Ferrari will often give you a little gift, but, and uh, the gift was a long sleeved t shirt with Challenge Stradali <gasps> written on How it. How much do you want for it? Is it can you put it on collecting well, it's, cards? It's unusable now because it's my strimming shirt. <laughs> I've always used it because so, it's got long sleeves. It's so, so upsetting. When you, when you use the brush cutter, you don't get, um, you don't get stung by the stingers. I have so, a Challenge Stradali umbrella. Do you? That's how, that's how obsessed Look, I am. And I've, got, I've also, I went on the 430 Scuderia launch and okay. I've still, there's a jacket for that as well. A black oh. one with, the, I've, yeah, I've got you, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did I give it to you? No, I've got one as have well. Yeah. So, but uh, I think that's a whole area, that and before, which, which could oh, be. By the way, you're completely wrong. If you, no. if, you, if, you did, if you did the Pepsi Challenge and drove them back to back, the, the Challenge Charlie feels like an air pump. It's got but no power. But it doesn't power. matter. It doesn't. It's character, Chris. It's character. It's not. It's just bloody noise. Just drill a hole in the 430's exhaust. You've got the same effect. <laughs> it's not, again, these are not sophisticated differences. But do you not think the 430's already a step towards being too quick? No, I think the 430 might be the last of the ones that still feels a bit ragged because its gearbox okay. actually works. It, yeah. It works. Uh, I, I agree, but there's something about the Challenge Charlie where you can throw it and you're not at that scary death-defying speed. But or, you're still going. Well, I'm not you're sure. Still, I, you're yeah, still I, going I, I, quick enough to quick. offend the population. Yeah. Mm. I, I know what you're saying, Sam, but I, I actually, I think the 430, Chris, is right. It's right. It's sort of... It's a sweet it, spot. It, it, two, it against, is, two against one, mate. Yeah. It, it, oh, it, it, it's a sweet spot. You need to construct a better, we'll one off you need to construct a better <laughs> argument than the sense of the beads. There's something about... It's a personal story. But what you've done there is that's your poster car, you see. And we're all... That's one thing and none of us should ever if it's a poster car you don't need to justify it more than that I've got I own cars purely because I wanted them when I was younger and I and I've got a shed full of rubbish like that and I don't justify them to anyone people say why have you got a 512 TR and I just say because I wanted one <laughs> I don't have to justify it to you objectively it's hopeless <laughs> but, but but it's so it's the it's the thing I had on my wall when I was doing my A-levels and I and when I was busy failing everything I looked at it and thought one day I've got to have one of those and that's that is the only reason any of us should need to, to own a car and it's also what I want to see from your community I don't want to read I've got another bloody AMG yeah. on order or whatever it is or another Ferrari, yeah. new Ferrari. I want someone to come out and give me a passionate explanation as to why they bought an E60 M5 that might blow up at any point yeah. because they once heard one fizz past them on a dual carriageway. Sure. But I'm not seeing that because it's not, it's not, it doesn't fit with the business model as it stands. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
to tie back again, bought this manual 360 whenever that was, a year and a half ago now. And I just made a video with it this week, <laughs> put it out, part of Drive the World. The amount of comments I got, oh yeah, Drive the World's been crap. So good to see you back making good, passionate content. I'm like, well, this, is, I mean. this is part of well, that's, <laughs> that, you, that's, that's one part of the content creation that you have to live with. You know, I've, I've just been beasted for years about Top Gear. You know, you sit with professional people, you make, I think, some lovely films and all you get is, well, oh, these are just not very good. Then you, <laughs> then you sit down with this moron here with a microphone and sit there and talk rubbish for an hour and everyone goes, oh, our podcast is amazing. It's brilliant. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Am but, I allowed to ask you how you're finding Top Gear? Is that contractually? No, I'm, I'm really, I'm obviously pleased that this latest one's been well received. Um, I don't talk about it too much beyond that. I, it feels bit, like it's over before it started. It, yeah, we're doing certainly we're just, rattled we're, through. We're about them. to start a new load now, so it's a split run they call it. So mm-hmm. you know, there's more that being commissioned. Look, it was a, I knew it was going to be a poison chalice when I took it on. I quite like a challenge. Sure. I've got you've got to sit through it, and also you're not you'll understand it because I had done what you're doing and I'd got what I could from YouTube. I was going nowhere. It had stagnated for me. I couldn't make any more money out of it. Uh, I didn't make much money out of it. I had, I the deal with Google was up, so I had to start doing it on my own. And and I very quickly realised that the only way I was going to make money was to fall into these silos, to fall into these little vertical niches, of the template videos. And I'm not interested in those. I have a, I have a, I have a curiosity and an interest in cars that's much broader than that. And I would have found it very stifling. I couldn't just go and do drag races. Should I buy a? I, I wouldn't. I would go mad. I'd have to go and get another job, and I didn't want to. So when someone said do you want to go and make a TV show? I was like, well, it's not really what I want to do, but it's an opportunity to go and make content that, that's that's funded properly and there is a business model behind it. I struggled with YouTube because, but you know, if I was trying to make beautiful videos that were 15 minutes long and cost, you know, minimum five grand to make and frankly in TV terms, that's catering budget, it was it was never going to work. So I, I had to give it a go. I still have a presence on YouTube and we still put stuff out there and I'm pretty proud. You know, when we when we do the right cars, they still do good numbers. No, I think it's pretty and sure. I, but, but, but I like, as you're doing, like, it's interesting talking to you because you're clearly at that point now where you're, that's why I said, where do you, where do you want to end up then? Yeah, do you want yeah. a TV show? Do you want... Do you I, want to carry on bossing the space you're in? No, I, I think I want to... I think... I don't think I want TV. I find it too creatively un... I, I, I don't... Yeah, I don't like it. I've done a few bits of like presenting stuff and it's not personally for me. I want to be more involved in the actual... Well, the pro- yeah, the pro- you, you, everyone that's started out on their own gets used to being in control. And I've, sure. I've had to cede control. I mean, I still have a, a big input into what, what we feature and how we do it. But ultimately, I have a creative lead and I'm not the creative lead. And that's very that can be very frustrating yeah. for me because I came from a world where I woke up and went, Nilo, we're doing this. Sure. And it's just so liberating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, to, and, and that is frustrating. But I tell you, without being patronising, go and try it because it's quite a good lesson of discipline to have someone else tell you what to do. Yeah, I, I worry with my control freak nature that I, that I would struggle. But for sure, I mean, it's, it's uh, hey, if the opportunity presented itself to do anything cool and fun. For me, it's, it's F1. I mean, I think that's where I'm trying to reposition and angle myself. In what way, I don't know. And I've met some amazing people in, uh, doing YouTube. And so I think opportunities that are starting to present themselves, you know, from... Uh, you know, dealerships to consignment to uh, helping brands with their social media to advising to consulting. I enjoy that. I really enjoy looking at the social media landscape, trying to read it, trying to advise. I still think so many companies, especially with an automotive, get it so wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, who says that I'm the person to tell them how to do it right? But I would be. No, well, the, pro- the my... problem is you're talking to car dealers that have been car dealers forever. You know, they're not. You know, that, you, they're, they're, exactly. They're not awake to it. They're yeah. not necessarily aware of it. So. 
um yeah who, who knows but i'm definitely yeah i'm angling for the next thing as, as i think you've said that you were doing i've realized it's at that point that you know i don't want to give it up i definitely don't want to give it up yeah but it's time to maintain a presence there but then use it as a stepping stone right i'm gonna have to call time on that it's been really interesting best of luck with it thank you so much thank you for having me thank you i'll keep listening it helps my eight hour drives Uh, so uh, so we we look forward to getting the uh the 991 on collecting cars uh, (laughs) after your uh, round the world trip he's unstoppable the car trader so that was the collecting cars podcast with me chris harris at harris monkey him at edward love it edward love it and sam uh, at seen through glass and uh, we'll see you again at some point thank you very much hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.